Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. I'm so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, Music Masters Collective hosts different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Bill Frizzell, Kurt Rosenwinkel, Julian Lodge, Mark Rabot, Wayne Krantz, Oteil Burbridge, the Milk Carton Kids, and so many more. At an event like Alternative Guitar Summit Camp happening this August, you can expect in-depth workshops with guitar masters, once-in-a-lifetime performances, the opportunity to play alongside your favorite musicians, and a lot of fun. You'll leave this event packed full of wisdom and with a whole community of musicians to create with. This all-inclusive week in the Catskills Mountains of Upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available, but spots are extremely limited. So visit www.alternativeguitarsummitcamp.com backslash inside to learn more. Welcome back inside the musician's brain. I'm your host, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters. This is episode 25, and our featured guest a little later on today is the one, the only, Green Sky Bluegrass. We were on tour with Green Sky earlier this year, and I took the opportunity to sit down with the guys in the band to chat about their phenomenal new record, Stress Dreams. 
I definitely talk a lot about bluegrass, the growth, the evolution of bluegrass here on Inside the Musician's Brain, and you can't have that conversation without talking about Green Sky Bluegrass. They have become a mainstay on the live music scene, putting on huge shows for years now. They've released a ton of great music, and this new album, Stress Dreams, it is excellent. And we, of course, have been crossing paths with these guys for years. I think my connection with their music really deepened in 2017 when we did bluegrass generals with paul of course the whole concept behind bluegrass generals we bring together all these cool musicians from different bands and then we play our original material so at that time we had uh stickley and greg garrison and of course andy hall rounding out a really really fun iteration of the generals and we learned a ton of green sky stuff and it was great on this last tour Paul knew that I was wanting to do Living Over and Past My Prime for the more recent installment of The Generals that, of course, has been postponed twice now with Paul as well. And so when we were out on the road, got to sit in for those songs, and that was definitely one of the most memorable moments of the tour. So stick around for my interviews with the Green Sky guys. We sat down individually, instruments in hand, talked all about stress dreams, about the music, about the process, how this album came to life. Lots of great stuff. Anders was admittedly a little bit harder to track down than the other guys. Love you, Anders. We'll have him on a future episode. I'm so grateful this season to have a few really cool brands that I have teamed up with to help make this podcast possible. And one of those brands is ArtistWorks. ArtistWorks has really changed the game in terms of online music learning. It's an incredible resource for musicians of all levels. They have a number of world-class teachers who cover a wide array of instruments and genres. They have a really cool thing going on their video exchange platform where you send in videos of yourself playing and you get customized critiques in the form of a video that your teacher sends back to you. And like I said, they really cover a wide range of genres, but I know we have a lot of bluegrass-oriented listeners here on Inside the Musician's Brain, and their bluegrass faculty is just off the charts. Sierra Hull and Mike Marshall teach mandolin. Noam Pichelny and Tony Trishka teach banjo. Absolutely two of the best. If you're a bluegrass guitar player, you can learn from Chris Eldridge of the Punch Brothers or Brian Sutton, one of the best guitar players of our time, and the list goes on and on. It's really an undeniable cast of teachers and so worth checking out if you want to take your music game to the next level. You should check them out at artistworks.com. I also teamed up with Orvis this season, and I was so pumped to get this brand involved because I've been a really passionate fly fisherman and conservationist for many years, and I'm a really genuine fan of this brand. They make incredible gear, incredible gear for fly fishing and really for all your outdoor pursuits. They have some amazing resources on their website if you want to learn more about casting, tying, all the different elements of fly fishing. They've also done some exceptional work in the field of conservation, which is just such an important thing that we all need to be thinking about right now. It doesn't matter if you're a fisherman. If you enjoy the outdoors in any capacity and you want to keep enjoying the outdoors, you need to start thinking about how you can protect that resource, what you can do to give back. And Orvis has really been a leader in this department, and my hat's off to them for that. 
definitely one of the many reasons to support this brand because they are leading by example in the best way possible. So check out Orvis. And a quick shout out also to two organizations that I have supported and that are very much worth checking out if you are a fisherman, a conservationist. Trout Unlimited has done some incredible work in many different areas, including restoring native fish populations and habitat. And the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust is another one. And they're doing a similar thing, but focused obviously on saltwater. And again, huge thanks to everyone at these organizations working so hard to help protect the natural world. So yeah, I'm a big believer in supporting groups like this and also doing whatever we can as individuals to join in that cause. So important, so timely right now. Inside the Musician's Brain is also brought to you by Osiris Media. They are behind all kinds of great music-oriented podcast content. They've got an amazing new show called Sugar Maple. Check it out. You'll love it. We're also brought to you by Americana Vibes. That's the String Dusters record label that recently put out Toward the Fray, our new record, and also our tribute to Bill Monroe, which is nominated for a Grammy. And lots of other stuff in the works over at Americana Vibes, so stay tuned there. I'm hanging out in my studio this morning, getting ready for tour. The studio is kind of a mess. Our sound engineer, Drew Becker, was over here yesterday helping me test some banjo pickups, get my pedal board dialed in, which, by the way, Drew, who is an amazing sound engineer, has a really cool thing going on. Check it out on Instagram, Becker underscore sound. He's got some amazing new resources and tools that he's using to get acoustic instruments sounding great, amplified in a big, loud, live environment with pickups, and also to get pedal boards really dialed in. So if you're a musician and you need to figure that stuff out, check out what Drew's got going on. I'm sitting here in the aftermath of our session that we had yesterday. And yeah, just gearing up for tour. I'm so excited to head out with the String Dusters. And this tour will include our third trip to the Grammy Awards, which is so exciting, such a huge honor. It will never get old. It's an accolade that has definitely helped our career a ton. And, you know, it's also something that will, I think, get your parents off your back once and for all if you're trying to legitimize your own passion and career in music. I'll never forget when we won in 2017 for Laws of Gravity for Best Bluegrass Album, which was so cool. That was an album that we wrote and produced ourselves along with the amazing Billy Hume. When we got backstage, I ducked off into this corner and I called my parents and it was just mayhem on the phone. Shout out to Joyce and Francis, who have realistically been huge supporters all these years. But being nominated this year is, to me, extra cool for two reasons. One is the strength of the field, the other nominees. And the other is that the project that we got nominated for is a tribute to Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass music. So as far as the nominees go, the field is just stacked this year, which of course is indicative of the popularity and quality of bluegrass at this point in time. And that's great news for one, because once upon a time, there was a real fear that the bluegrass Grammy category would not have enough submissions to keep going. And that's that's how that works. If 
if the number of submissions dips below a certain level, then that says to the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences that there's just not enough going on in this genre. But having a Grammy for bluegrass is really huge as far as legitimizing the music, creating growth and opportunities for everyone involved and making sure that that category is still around. That's something that we definitely pay attention to over at the International Bluegrass Music Association. I've been on the board of directors there, and that's definitely a prime directive and something that's just very important for bluegrass. So to see this field of nominees is like, wow, things are really happening. The music is really popular. The music is really in good hands. And compared to the nominees when we were getting our start, 16 years ago, these were all great acts, but they were much, much more in that traditional world. And bluegrass was just not as popular, not reaching as many ears, not in the hands of so many diverse and uh, incredible artists. And I think that sometimes fans, especially the hardcore bluegrass fans, they sometimes equate this evolution of the music to a decline in quality of the musicianship the singing, the songs, and that is just undeniably no longer the case. Just just look at these nominees. So you've got Bela Fleck, of course, up for My Bluegrass Heart, one of the great icons of banjo and really music in general, making his return to bluegrass with a landmark album. Honestly, this album is just incredible. Bela was a guest a few episodes ago, and we talked all about how that album came to be, which was really fascinating. And of course, this has extra significance for me because he was the one who inspired me to play. And if you told 18-year-old me that I'd be nominated for a Grammy alongside Bela Fleck, I'd have a hard time keeping it together. But wow, what an honor. How cool. Billy Strings is also nominated. It's all been said about Billy Strings taking bluegrass to a whole new level with the best of both worlds. He's got all the jams, all the experimentation, and really virtuosic chops, an incredible band behind him, and they absolutely deserve it. You've also got Sturgill Simpson in there. Of course, Sturgill is more of a country artist. He's the best of country music, if you ask me. And these bluegrass albums that he's put out really show his deep respect for the music. Great songs done bluegrass style with some of the best modern pickers in the field. Really a great look for the genre. And then rounding out this year's field of nominees is Rhonda Vincent, who is repping traditional bluegrass, also has some of the best musicians in the field behind her, always making really quality music and always in the mix. We actually tied with Rhonda when we won our Grammy in 17. And it's important always through this conversation of what's going on with bluegrass to recognize that traditional bluegrass holds the DNA of the music and is really responsible for this modern boom. So always great to see some of the best trad acts getting this kind of recognition too. But I think the coolest part about being nominated this year is that we're being recognized for our tribute to Bill Monroe, who is the undeniable father of bluegrass, a once in a generation musician who we all owe so much to. And really he had such a fascinating life. You should check out, there's a great biography of Monroe called Can't You Hear Me Callin'? by Richard Smith, and the stories will absolutely blow your mind. Bill Monroe is the one who got this whole bluegrass train rolling, and it's obviously been through 
A lot of ups and downs over the years. I've talked about that on other episodes of the podcast. And when we started out, bluegrass, though always a really badass style of music, just so soulful, so cool, it was not that popular, not that marketable. And it didn't have the diversity of artists, sounds, and the broad appeal that it has now. And that's all changed in the last 16 years. And as the music evolves, I've always said that shining a light back on the founders is one of the coolest things about all this evolution and growth. So now to be kind of walking the walk and celebrating, bringing recognition to old school bluegrass, the amazing depth and cultural significance of the music and the visionary artists who got this whole thing going is something that we are really, really proud of. There's really no way we would have made an album like this early on, but now we did. I love the way it came out, and because of it, we are heading back to the Grammys in Las Vegas in just a couple of weeks for round three, and when this episode airs, I think we will have just been to the Grammys. So fingers crossed, but really, it's a, a proud moment regardless and a great sign for bluegrass music. All right, let's jump ahead now to my interviews with Green Sky again, sat down with them on this recent tour to go deep into this incredible new album that they have just released, Stress Dreams. Make sure you check it out. Here we go. Yesterday I say goodbye to all the questions without answers, without a reason why. I put my heart before the voice to drive. Inside the musician's brain, sitting backstage, where are we? Louisville, Kentucky, and we are nearing the end of our Dusters Green Sky Run. And <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't get my boys in here to talk about this amazing new album, Stress Dreams. Paul Hoffman, welcome back to the podcast, brother. Thanks, Panda. It's been awesome being on the road with you guys. I'll say that. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, it's been fun, it's man. It's been a blast. We got more fun ahead, I think, too. I know we do have some more fun. We have we have a few tricks up our sleeve, and um, yeah, it's it's been really cool being on the road for a number of reasons. But one of them is that you guys have this, this awesome new record out, and um, you know, hearing the songs, obviously from the album, but also hearing them come to life live. And um, how's it feel playing the stuff out and bringing all this new music to life? That's good, man. It's <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's it's fun to kind of like find the show legs for the songs. You know, there's when we recorded them, we had ideas of how they could grow and stuff. So figuring out how to do that live, and then also just like figuring out where they sit in the set. You know, we've yeah. got a um, a whole new selection of songs, you know, various tempos and feels and all that. So um, how do you guys take on the rehearsal element? So like, you have all this new stuff, but you know, people forget that this music was probably recorded. A long time ago. I know our our new record was recorded, you know. Yeah, it was over a year ago. Yeah. Well over um, a year ago. So so once all this stuff is is out, you know, but it's been 
kind of sitting for you guys for a while. What does the rehearsal process look like to get it all stage ready? We had to relearn it all, um, which was some work. Uh, and we kind of spaced it out. We learned a little bit before the winter tour, and then we learned a couple more for the Denver shows before the tour, and then a couple more for the tour. So, And then daily we're kind of running – kind of still running stuff. Um, and then we're going to, we're working on a lot of transitions too, just to like, um, we haven't been playing any covers, just been playing all originals. And so we've had to kind of rework a lot of our transitions and jams. Cause a lot of that happens. <clears throat> so I got morning fog. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that happens in covers we play. So it's been cool to try and like creatively figure out ways that our songs go together and in and out of each other and stuff like that. So we would kind of run that stuff daily too. Yeah. Well, man, I got to really tip my hat to you. I know I've said this to you, but just some great songs, man. You are such an awesome songwriter. Thanks, and and um, this album is certainly no exception. There's a lot of cool things going on, including it's 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 awesome to hear this Deval stuff come to life. I know that's sort of a new, um, you know, a new chapter in the Green Sky story, if you will. And we'll, we'll have him on here in a second talking about some of that stuff. But But once again... Man, you really just shine as a songwriter, and there are so many facets to this, and so many layers. And of course, I'm really drawn to the lyrics. And and um, you know, when I asked you about sitting down today, we figured we'd talk about give a shit. <laughs> so tell us first of all, what is this one? What is this one about? Where where does it come from for you? This one, uh, it's kind of a lyrical word game. I I came up with the chord progression and the idea. The, like verse chorus, usually I kind of come up with a verse chorus pretty quick. Uh, and I often don't know where I'm going with it, like what the inspiration is. So I came up with that first verse and it's, <clears throat> yesterday I say goodbye to all the questions without answers, without a reason why. I put my heart before the voice to drive a message home. Couldn't get no worse. And I really liked that <clears throat> heart before the voice, like cart before the horse, you know? Okay. Okay. So, and there's some tense problems in the first one too. Yesterday I say goodbye. Just it's just kind of weird wordplay. So then I kind of walked away from it, and it's got the it's got all this like half steppy. It's like kind of swingy or something like it. Um, it's just like it's got like that kind of. It's a, it's one of the classic. Kind of green sky sh- sub genres, if we you d- ask me. Yeah, that we feel. Do, I love that. We do this kind of like circus thing sometimes. I think like it's <laughs> okay. like, and it's just like silly, but um, also serious. Uh, so as when I set out to finish the song, I was like, "How am I ever going to keep up this word game?" So I just kind of started racking my brain and all these expressions. The second one's got some play on what if the captain sinks before the ship, um, and safe and sound and. Uh, you know, I, somebody had told me this stat on billion versus a million for like to conceptualize just how much money Jeff Bezos has, you know, and it was like a billion seconds is 37.5 years or something like that. And a million seconds is 12 days. And I was just like staggered by that. Hmm. I was like, wow, that is a stunning statistic. So I worked that in there too, and I, was, uh, you know, maybe against better judgment, I was like, "Is that does that make a good song lyric?" And I, I was like, "I'm going to try," uh, and I really enjoyed delivering it on stage. Um, the lyric is, "But I would take gold for every second of living because I'd have a billion, 
but wait, in 12 days, I'd have a million more. <laughs> uh, so, so I love, I love all the, the plays on words, but there's also a lot of like meaning in there. I mean, there are lines in there, like the, the one you just mentioned, like I put my heart before the voice. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean to you? Uh, I, I think it has some relation to just like my passion for my songs and, you know, like putting my heart out there, uh, you know, maybe at the expense of my voice or something. Maybe the, like the way I deliver songs passionately is like, I consider the emotions before, you know, if the song's in my range or something, I don't mm -hmm. know, <clears throat> but like, it's like, it was a play on word game, but there is meaning too. There's like the second verse has the line too. What if the captain sinks before the ship and I don't want to be in charge of this? Um, <clears throat> that means something to me, uh, you know, related, what? related to our, our band or our business or just like, I think at the time I wrote that, you know, it, again, it's a wordplay thing. So I just wrote it, but it was struggling a lot during COVID with running the business of our band and it just not being fun. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> to keep the, just like, I was, you know, we got into this to go out and play music and we just did it. And for years and years, we just kept playing shows and kept playing shows and one after another. And just, it was always like the, <clears throat> the fun was leading the charge. Yeah. And then suddenly we couldn't play music and we're operating this business that's in, you know, hibernating. And it was, I was just like, man, this isn't fun. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you're working 10 times as hard for one tenth the payback, not just money, but yeah, the whole experience totally. and everything yeah. coming back to you. So that, I mean, that meaning there, there's meaning in that lyric for me, even though it was just kind of a game to write. I mean, this, the song kind of turned into like a homework assignment, like with a pen and paper for me, I sat down and just started messing with words and stuff. Uh, what about my pain is my humble disguise? <laughs> that's that a, that's that feels a heavy one. that feels pretty real to me too. Um, you know, a lot of my songs are pretty dark and about struggle and stress, guilt, things like that. You know, and I think what I'm saying there is that it's, sometimes I'm just playing it up for the song. You know. So do you <clears throat> do you process through that through writing or? You know, do you get things out and work through things that way, or like what what you just said, like, or is it is it sort of you know played up to create this piece of art, or where does that intersect? <laughs> I think somewhere in in the middle of all of it. Um, I do sort of like if I'm struggling with something, there's catharsis in writing, and then delivering it too. You know, to be on right. stage and consistently delivering these lyrics that are like pretty heavy. Um, forces me to sort of work through what I'm, what I've got going on, but you know, also sometimes I over dramatize to, to prove a point or to make a point. Um, make a point probably is better, but um, but there's also got to be some element of like there are universal pieces of all this, like that is to say, everybody feels shades of these different things, you know? Yeah, and you can. You know, you can give a voice to them by expressing and letting them latch on. And especially like at a live show, when I look out and I see people, you know, singing the lyrics to these songs, there's a catharsis there, too. And all of that's got to work together to create this kind of big energetic moment. Yeah. You know, like it puts the words in people's mouths. Um, if it's things they're afraid, exactly. to, if it's things they're afraid to say themselves or admit to themselves, but then they're singing along with the song. 
uh, hopefully it helps people confront some heavy emotions, you know, good or bad. Oh, it um, does. It does. And, and that's what I'm saying. I, you see that. Yeah. You know, you see that from people. And I see it when we're on stage. I mean, that's what I think people, and, and especially now, after two very weird years of people being disconnected from this outlet, that I think they and we, to some extent, didn't even know we needed as much as we did because maybe we always kind of took it for granted. No one ever thought that we'd be on this long pause. But now we're back and you can feel it's like pent up and coming out. Yeah. People, there's a lot of energy and a lot of emotions. I'm seeing a lot of people out there crying regularly and also smiling, having a blast raging. Yeah. Um, So wait, so what don't you give a shit about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, we'll see. (laughs) (sighs) I mean, is that like a tag that it sounds like you wrote this in kind of a linear way. Like you started and then you went and it wasn't like the chorus necessarily the, the, the big hooky idea came first. Yeah, I, I think the juxtaposition of the my pain is my humble disguise because I don't really give a shit is just sort of, I mean, I clearly do give a shit. I think it's tongue in cheek and it's the exact opposite. Um, but it's what you were just saying. It's like you you use that that pain as, as somewhat of a disguise. And even though these things are real, you know, to me, like as a listener, I almost take it as you're creating this outlet for everyone. You know, this isn't just like your own solitary experience. These are universal things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you do give a shit, Paul Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I'm also saying I'm okay. Uh, you know, like we we recorded long ago when we recorded Handguns. There's a lot of sad songs on that record. And Johnny Grubb called me up and he was like, are you okay? <laughs> so I guess all these years later, I'm saying I'm okay. I'm writing some sad stuff a lot, but I'm also all right. But that's kind of the irony of it is that in some ways how you get it out. And I know I think every performer has some aspect of releasing things on stage. It's not just like you always get up there to have a good time. You know, there's... Yeah. There's a lot that goes into creating that music, and all of that happens over weeks, months, years leading up to a performance, and then you have the moment, you know, and everybody gets to partake in that, and it's like, you know, you are channeling some of these really universal ideas. That's a lot of what I get out of it, and and that's what I think when you see that cathartic response, I feel like that's what that is. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks, bro. This has been a real, real pleasure, and I hope we get to do it again. And congrats on a great record, man. Thank you. You too, man. I love your record too. Thanks, bro. I've been working for hours and I'm missing the mark For my day even start When my boy cries to me in the dark Try to stretch it out slowly But to start the day knowing that it ends in my bed Soaked in sweat, all these wheels still turning in my head Duvall Hello. How are you, brother? I'm well. How are you? Thanks for joining me, man. It's a nice way to start my day. A little chat. 
It is a nice way Some to coffee. start the day. I'm a few chats deep, and you are you Green Sky guys. Slept a little later today. Well, great show last night, and uh, as you. I as I've said to the other guys, it's been so awesome being on the road and hearing all this new music and getting to hang with you guys so much. We've all been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah. So, stress dreams, man. This is um this is a big moment for you. I mean, you know, I I know when I heard about sort of this side of the story that is you contributing so much as a songwriter because Stress Dreams is the first song that you ever wrote, which is yeah. amazing because it's an incredible song and Thanks. we're going to talk about that here in a second. But you know, the thing that strikes me is so you're you're stepping out with all these new songs, but it still like really sounds quintessentially green sky and I think that speaks to the fact that our musical minds grow together and we influence yeah. each other in all these great ways. And you've obviously been around these amazing songwriters for, you know, going on 20 years. But mm -hmm. tell us why, why now? Like, how did, how did this whole thing start? What inspired you to get going on songwriting? Yeah, that's a good question. The why did I wait for 15, 15 <laughs> years later? Um, it was worth the wait. Thanks. Um, I don't know what it is that finally got me going, but I, I, songwriting is something that I've wanted to um, participate in for a long time. I think that was like the the missing thing that I wasn't contributing. Um, I found myself in a role in the last couple albums for the last few years, helping a lot with. Um, I, I think it's sort of a bass player role. Maybe Travis does the same when y'all are working out uh, material, but kind of like um, I've sort of become a leader in the sort of structural design and the. Um, texture building and the orchestrating of the songs that the other guys are writing in sure. a big way, just like trying to figure out where they fit. And and even though you're not necessarily a songwriter, right. that's a huge element of what brings these songs to life right. in the context. The of arranging and the yeah. orchestrating and stuff. That's something I really enjoy. Um, sure. And I guess I have perspective and some experience there just from like music theory background mm -hmm. and stuff. So um, I've been kind of finding my voice in other people's songs for years. Sure. Um, and I sort of struggled with, um, I don't even know if you remember when you started trying to write songs, but um, any attempts previous to these, I, th I just came to a spot where I thought that something I was written had been done before, or some line that okay. I was writing was, was cliche, or just something, it's easy to give yourself a lot of reasons to not continue to work. I think I think the difference now but with the, the material I finally finished is just that I've figured out how to finally take my process beyond an idea that I found I was able to like poke holes in and then leave behind. It's as as, as a as like it was a big distillation process for me sort of like starting with a lot of things and and funneling it down to um what we ended up with here but Well there's also got to be some element of you know when you take things on early in your career you sort of go at them very fearlessly and you don't ask yourself as many questions and i think as you <laughs> yeah. evolve as a human as an artist you know even the things that you've done forever you look at a little bit differently but trying something completely new in this case songwriting you know it's not quite the charge forward process crank out all these songs it's maybe a little bit more analytical maybe a little bit more self-conscious yeah, very much so. I think, um, like you mentioned, I'm I'm surrounded by songwriters who I respect, and I'm sort of operate in this world where I'm around a lot of them. And so, 
the the idea of bringing um I, I didn't want to bring any songs to the band that I wasn't like already proud of. So it's so. Did you have a a bunch done, and these were the best, or I wrote six. I originally wrote five songs. Okay. That I shared with my band all at once on um, demos. My demos are sort of the interesting part. If I heard I'd, your demos were pretty involved. That well, I you know, to, <laughs> as a bass player, I, I sort of imagine myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take these songs to my band for the first time. I'm going to be like, hey guys, I'm a songwriter now. Okay, <laughs> and here are these songs, and I'm trying to think of like how to. I don't play guitar. You know, I don't I like so like these songs were written very specifically for for Green Sky. You kind of mentioned that, like, yeah. um, Green Sky is my performance outlet for these songs. So they're very much designed for Green Sky um, purposely. But um, I had to find a way to sort of translate my ideas to my band. Um, so I imagined myself like kind of being like, "Hey guys, I got these songs. I'm playing just the bass and singing my part." And so then, how did you do that? <clears throat> I've created um, demos on. Should I whip them out? Yeah, whip, whip us on. Um, I use GarageBand, like just the most. This is and this is my first delve into really doing any sort of recording project. Also, so I'm a been I've been holding out. <laughs> I'm a beginner on all these things, but I I made these uh, demos in um, GarageBand, just like the simplest software, and I had to design drum beats basically to synthesize the rhythms that I wanted to play. So in so in uh, Stress Dreams is in six eight. So I had to kind of design something that had that. You know that feels to yeah. Like, I love the six eight to like give it to my band to show them what's going on, so it wasn't just like boom boom. You know, so it's kind of trad plusy, honestly. Like I do yeah. the same thing for my demos. I love you know, that they, stuff. they always start with a beat and then some kind of like usually like tempo synced bass thing, like a step yeah. sequencer. But um, I'll tell you what, I will edit in right here. Can I play like yeah? Can you I can do whatever this, you want. Like the real, you send this to me. Yeah. There's all the, all the parts. It's funny too because I, I recorded it with like then like three. There's drums and then like three bass tracks. Okay. And I sing, but then I, all the like jam parts in the middle are all recorded on multiple basses. It's very ween. I it's like very it. strange, but I have a demo like this for all of my songs. Okay. Um, but but this is the demo for stress streams. streams. Yeah. So you send that to them, and yeah, I send them like basically like an an, a, a, an EP. <laughs> we joke about it. It's like my my songwriting. I sent them a, f- a five tracks, and then I later followed up and did the same process for uh, Reasons to Stay, which is a song that I wrote after the original set that I wrote like just before our last recording session on the album. I was able to like you know I love that one. Excuse me. Yeah, thank you. I love that song, man. It's so I cool. like it too. I'm I'm stoked about how that came out. Fun. So so take us. Take us a little bit deeper inside 
Stress Dreams, because first of all, I can't believe this is the first song you've ever written. That's not fair, because <laughs> um, it's really, really great. And I mean, in a lot of in a lot of ways, you know, it's like does all these really cool chordal harmonic things, beautiful melodies, great lyrics. Like, Thanks. when you're writing, what what comes first? Like a lyrical idea, some chords. How do you get the process going? For me, this was <clears throat> this sort of the song being my the first the first project. I really was aiming to finish, I guess. Um, so this is the first song I started, and it is this, maybe the second song I finished. I think I s- started and finished Get Sad in like two weeks while this thing was still in process. But um, for me, it started with, um, honestly, I've, it, it sounds so stupid, sort of, but I just I really wanted to write a song in 6-8. I wanted this like feel, and I thought I could just see Paul with the back chop and just thought that would be very like Green Sky, the sort of plodding baseline. Sure. Um, and then it just, you know, a lot of what comes to me is kind of a process of noodling and sort of like a, 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 a accidents sort of can lead to what like that. that da, 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 it's kind of just fall, fly, just messing around with like playing kind of like finger picking style on my electric bass sure. between the two strings and found a way to that. You know, when I'm in 6-8 and I'm going back and forth one way, and then when I go dugga, 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 it kind of, I found that switch from 6-8 to 3-4 um, that kind of comes out in in the head um, in that melody. Um, and from there, I kind of just, from creating that hook, basically I was trying from there to find a whole song from there. Um, okay, but what about the lyrics, though? Because I feel, I, I mean, as someone who, I have written a few songs, but I write a ton of instrumental stuff. It's yeah. like, that's kind of the easy part, if you ask me. Me, but yeah. Jumping into writing lyrics, and I mean these are these are these are heavy lyrics, you know. It's, yeah. It's a story of someone who is feeling something and tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the lyrics uh, for this song and for all of my songs kind of came last. Um, I like wrote the, these melodies and these parts for this song, and I had pretty much it structurally built and had written the melodies of the verses and choruses and all the solo section stuff before I had really totally found out what this song was about. Um, I remember I had the line, I've been waking up tired. Yeah. Um, that occurred to me like on a run somewhere. And I had, I probably had that simple line for months before it ever like, uh, I'm learning about my songwriting style. It's new to me. So some, it's like a, it's it's kind of like brooding on all this stuff for a long time. It's taken me a very long time to get anywhere with any of it. So, but are you is this is this all expressing something that you're feeling personally going on now? Is it more of something that you observe? Because I mean, it, it is the story of someone who is like yeah. burdened, and it's it's not all entirely personal experience. Little little bits of it um, are this like feeling of like I'm waking up tired, you know, like I got a young kid and uh, COVID was stressful for a lot of people. Um, I didn't set out to write the story that this song tells necessarily the beginning. It was much more of a music project. And then it became stress dreams, you know, my, the, the, a line here or there that resonate with me. And then maybe a line here or there that I'm observing about someone else's life or just, or that just works. I've, you know, not to make it sound, you know, like it's, it almost makes it sound kind of dumb, but like I've, I've used a lot of time in writing these songs. I've used like filler syllables 
in some of the stuff where I don't know what I'm saying yet, where I'm literally just like singing words that sound sure. good to me. And in a couple of cases that has led to the real line. Right. Um, but that's part of what a great song is about. The intersection of expression yeah. through lyrics, but also yeah. they're musical and they're melodic and, and lyrical in their own way. But, and I also think, you know, it's interesting because I mentioned this when I talked to, I think Paul Ambrusa, but one of the things that I love about your guys' songs is they are personal, but they also, you know, create this voice that we all can tap into mm-hmm. and into things that we all experience, you know. So even if this isn't something that you're like going through profoundly right now, I think there there still is this, you know, universal element of it yeah. that people can feel. And that is important. I think that's a huge part of why they connect to your guys' songs. Yeah, I think you're right. Um I think I tried to in each of my songs I tried to create with uh, connect with an idea that I thought was each of my songs is, is like an idea that maybe is more important than my own personal experience with it or like some story I'm telling. Sure. Um, and I think that that has helped me um, not make a, a song like too literal or too specific. You know, the idea of this song um, is just like this like sense of exhaustion where you can't. It's a cyclical thing. You can't yeah. quite keep up. And we're supposed to be getting your rest. You're like, you know, cycling through these stress, stress dreams as, as, as the concept um, well, I, came I to know. me was, is not something dramatic. It's like, um, I used to have these dreams where um, I had one just like the other night. They're really, it's just a really annoying dream where you have these experiences. Probably like that feeling of like, I'm supposed to be on stage right now, but I left my in-ear... This is an example of a yeah. literal stress dream. Where I yeah. left my in-ear monitors in the dressing room. And I'm come walking downstairs. I got to get these. I need to be on stage. And the code to the dressing room doesn't work. It's not what I want. So then I got my phone <laughs> out. And I'm trying to look it up. But then, like, I can't get the text out to my tour manager or something to come help me. And it's like, those moments that it's just, like, sort yeah. of annoyed with your device or something. Like, I would, ha- I would start having dreams like that. And then I'd wake up and be like... That, I know that why was my is, sleep. That's why my de- is that right? See, I wake up What's with just going this, on. not like this, like burden of depression. Just like waking up, just annoyed, and or that was the like concept the, of stress dreams originally. Yeah, the kind of the slow burn of all these challenges that like, pile up on, on us. On. Yeah, know. and especially, uh, I mean, these last two years, I feel like that. I mean, has definitely been a universal thing, and all this stuff yeah. piling up. And if it's not one thing, it's another. And once you finally work through this one thing it only serves to reveal what else yeah. is kind of underneath at least, there just at least let me have my sleep yeah. basically is what this song's about um, well I'm excited to uh, play this one with you guys I'm excited too I think it's going to be sweet I, I started checking it out and it's a uh, it's a feast of chords which I love and we were talking about the other night yeah, you know, one too. of the things I love about your writing is it's very moves through all these really cool diatonic and also like substitutions, but the movement of the chords brings to life the lyrics and the energy and the emotion of the song in a really, really choice Thank way, you. man. So yeah, I learned, congrats. that's why I learned theory is through like those like classical counterpoint classes that I'm sure you took too. So yeah. when you said diatonic major the other day, I was like, oh. yeah, cause there's no, it's not like I'm not writing a bluesy, song on a guitar i'm just I, my approach has been like very compositional because that's how i know how to do it yeah i remember when i was in music school i remember thinking one of the most valuable things i learned was 
as we were learning chord theory and substitutions, you know, I sort of made this kind of like list in my head. Oh, if you go to this chord, it kind of conveys this emotion, you know, and if you go from like one mm -hmm. major to flat six or like the Lydian, like sharp two, you get like this magical sound. You guys in this one have like four minor, minor to four one, to one is, which is like I love that. really beautiful, you I, know. I, randomly too, in this song, I, you're asking sort of how it came all together. I sort of had... I have favorite chords, and my and the concept is I'm like ooh six eight, you know, like yeah. so I made myself a mission to sort of use a few things. The first one was the major one with a six with a six in mm -hmm. it, which is like sort of the main structure of the verse. Mm -hmm. I just love the feel of adding that six to the major one chord, and then the the minor four to the one movement is just like that, just like the little chromatic movement tricks that it causes are are just really cool for me, and I'm like I could play that movement. Yeah, all day. Minor like four to one all day. Yeah. is a resolution for the ages because like you're on that minor right. four and four is already Flat an six, unste yep. steady place to be, and then it kind of releases back to one. But yeah, nerd stuff. Great. Uh, yeah, I love it. Nerds unite. I love it. We're, that's what this. Uh, that's what this podcast yeah. is all about. Well, thanks for joining me, bro. Great song. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, happy to chat. Just great record, man. Congrats. Thank you so much. It's just not enough. Good. Thanks for joining me. As I was getting ready to sit down and interview you guys, obviously I went deep on some of these songs, and this is a, a really beautiful and heavy song, man. Streetlight. Um, great work. Really, Thanks. really well done. Thanks. So tell us about the origin of this song. Well, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, during the pandemic, I was living in Baker, a little neighborhood in Denver. Sure. And, you know, it was everything was super locked down and we had a late snow and I was walking around the neighborhood with a friend, you know, and there's nobody around. Mm -hmm. And I was commenting on that. And I think I made a joke about how I could write a song about anything. Cause I was just goofing around <laughs> and I was like, that streetlight, you know, that's just working all day and all night. And then, you know, I kind of came up with something and like a day later it was still kind of in my head and I put it to music and I just sat on the couch and it just kind of came out and again, just kind of like push it aside as a joke yeah, a little bit, but I started kind of looking really inward and, um, it started to mean a little bit more than just a joke. It started to, I started reflecting on my life and the situation that I was in and how I was feeling. Yeah. And musically it seemed to fit with this thing that I, that I kind of noodled with on the couch so and that's always by the way a good like songwriting litmus test if 
something keeps coming back. And I've done that yeah. too. I've sort of dismissed a thing and eh, whatever. And then you pick up your instrument the next day and, and it you just do comes it again. Right. And that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a great sign because it's it, obviously making some kind of impact on your subconscious because it's sticking it's there. in there. Right. So at that point, I started to just kind of really unpack my feelings. And I, I write often with my friend Aaron Allen in Michigan, who we've written a few songs together. Um, and do you guys do that remotely, like send yeah, ideas yeah. back and Yeah, he forth lives in northern day? Michigan, and he's a, you know, he's, he's a warrior poet. He used to do a lot of work with Joshua Davis and stepping in it. And, sure. Um, uh, Paul's written a song with him, too. But uh, anyways, I kind of gave him the vibe and gave him a recording of what I was doing because I sat down and did some due diligence, and he helped uh, fill it in and really brought it to life. And you know, with Aaron, what I love writing lyrics about, because I have a hard time with lyrics most of the time. I have a hard time getting out the words I really want to say. Which, what, what do you mean by that? You mean you... Lyrics aren't my strong suit. Uh, I'm not... I don't... Well, I don't consider myself a poet by any means. But you have these ideas, these things inside of you, and it's tough to necessarily translate Yeah, that's into, it. Okay. That's, that's a really... That's a better way of putting it. Okay. So... With Aaron, you know, I give him the words that I have, and then I give him the feeling of what it is and, like, what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And he has a really good way of relating to that in a way because, first of all, we know each other very well. And he just helped craft it along. And with him, it's excellent because he comes back with, like, you know, 15 verses. And then from there, we edit back He's kind of your, like, translator, yeah, almost like you. That's a good way to put it. You hand him a vibe, a feeling, and he helps you craft it into lyrics. Yeah, okay. That's I mean, cool. he he's gone as deep as like you know he wrote worried about the weather with me. Okay, awesome. And literally, the only phrase I gave him for that song was worried about the weather because I liked the way it sounded, and so he wrote all the words to that. Hmm. And I literally gave him worried about the weather, and this is what it sounds like. Wow. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. That, okay, Very he's amazing. Cool. But back to the topic here of Streetlight. So we got that together, and um, yeah, I didn't really see this song as something that would be a Green Sky song because, uh, you know, it's it's pretty slow. It's pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a few of those in our in our body of work already. And not that that limits anything, but I didn't think the guys were really going to be that interested in this song. And it was also before we were even talking about sharing demos with one another when I had this put together. You mean you just weren't sure that it necessarily had a place with what you guys right. were doing I, this upcoming This was record. like the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. You know, and this was just, I was playing a lot and writing a lot as much as I possibly could. Sure. Just keeping active. And the song really didn't, you know, show up until later in the pandemic when I went to St. Louis and I did the uh, the take cover thing with my buddy Trey. Which was awesome, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. And um, so I played it on that, and I was, I don't know why, but I was pretty pretty shocked that the viewers of that really grabbed onto it right away. And I thought that was pretty great. They liked the song, and then it fast forward a couple more months, you know, I got together with Paul and Anders, and um, I'm not surprised or shocked, but Anders said how much he really liked the song and that and should include it in the demos that we were all sharing. Yeah. So I thought about it, and I finally did, and uh, I'm really glad I did because we were able to put together something, something really cool, and it became something really unique because of the musical ideas that 
I brought to the guys saying, hey, originally what I wanted to do is, there, you know, there's a big outro to the song. Mm-hmm. So originally I was like, how about these drums come in and it just like brings it off to a fade out. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And it took, you know, a million years while we're in Vermont just to get the drums set up in the studio. We wasted some time, but not wasted, but. And we got it, and we got it recorded, and listing back, it just made no sense because there's drums that's coming out of nowhere. Like this production idea, this arrangement idea. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. And it was just, you know, something that threw on the wall that it, originally I was like, oh, this is cool. These drums are going to come in, take the song away. But it just felt so awkward because there'd be this beautiful song floating along, and it's getting heavier and heavier, and then there's, these drums just come out of nowhere, and it just didn't make any sense. Sure. So I talked to the guys, and we all felt that, yeah, we should have drums throughout the whole tune if we're going to do it. We're going to go all in or not. We'll get right back to my interview with Dave Bruza after this very short break. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. love the drums man thanks i love the drums and i love one thing I, that really strikes me about this song is your singing is incredible on this song thanks and the intersection of the way that you sing and the range and just the song itself the the melody the lyrics like it's really powerful like right off the bat super thanks. super strong and I wonder if you could take us back for a second. So you were saying that as far as this songwriting process, a lot of times you'll try and explain what you're feeling, mm-hmm. this certain energy, emotion, and then you'll send that off and it will come back to you in the form of lyrics. So in the case of Streetlight, what was that description like? Well, I started thinking about the comparison of the actual inanimate objects and like what was going on in my life, which... <coughs> Sadly, was you know I I went through a divorce, and it was at a time when this was coming together where I really, you know, we're human beings, so I definitely had a lot of regret, and um, I was really tapping into that and what that all meant. And Aaron, luckily, he 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 also knows my ex wife, so it was, you know, he was able to really feel what. I was feeling because not only would I describe it to him, we, would, we were having conversations about it as well. Yeah. Because at like on a, you know, friend a friend level. level. Yeah. Right. So it was able to just be, you know, he could be more intimate than most. And, you know, we've been friends for a long time. So it was pretty, 
pretty simple once all that kind of came together. And he liked the idea of what I was comparing these these objects, like a, a traffic light, an, an actual street light, and just thinking what they do. And you know, you're just kind of stuck there, and right. You know, you're not. There wasn't much progression, right? But I don't. I don't really. I don't want to be stuck one place. Okay. And, so that was a way to, if I was doing these things and, you know. So observing this element of a streetlight, an inanimate yeah. object that's there and serving a role, but not necessarily evolving and comparing right. yourself to that and right. wanting to make sure that you kind of don't fall into that trap. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's some sentiment of regret in the song and, you know, love is just love, barely enough. Yeah, and that's a heavy line. Yeah, love that was... just love, barely enough. It made me a little uneasy once I got the final cut together of the lyrics. What but, do you mean by that? Like, you heard it back? Well, not not the cut of the, the record. Oh, oh, okay. As, as we were editing the sure. lyrics, it was, you know, I again, I mean, you know me well enough to know I'm a pretty sensitive person. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, looking back and, like, having that line come out, and, uh, you know, I could have done a lot better in life. Uh, and, you know, things happen the way they do and things happen for a reason. But it's it's tough to look back and see that, you know, for me. Well, yeah, because hindsight is always twenty twenty, And yeah. you always just do your best. And, you, and then I think, you know, part of evolving is letting the things that are behind you be, accepting right. them. And moving on, and part of this song is I feel like you recognizing that and and yeah. seeing that you need that forward motion, that kind of you know evolving to unfold, to continue to unfold. Absolutely, and I think um, I don't think I know. Like this is just a way for me to cope with it. Like songs for me have yeah. always been quite literal. Uh, a lot of the songs that I've written are extremely literal things like it's basically like a diary for me because it's a way for me to get things off my chest because I don't I don't write the 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 amount that what Paul would write but you know everything has a direct connection to my life yeah and this is just my way of coping with it sure and with doing that and recording this with Green Sky has really helped me move forward on a lot of things by just getting this stuff off my chest and being okay it's out there yeah and now I can live in it and now we get to perform it it's it feels good. It feels really good. And I'm glad that people are connecting to it in their ways. Uh, so, Well, that's a big part of the process. And just to kind of reflect that back to you, and Paul and I talked about this, you know, I'm sure you realize that you're not the only one feeling these type of things. Oh, yeah. And when you guys express this stuff in song and in these amazing, beautiful songs and the way that you guys bring them to life as an ensemble, you know, you give a voice to these things in many, many people who listen to this stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's a big layer of meaning that comes to life once it's received and felt and... Reciprocated. Reciprocated, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's great. I, I, I like being, you know, I don't know if many listeners recognize the vulnerability that a lot of us put out there as songwriters, or in, in particular, this process of Streetlight. Like, that's... yeah. I mean, that's raw, just that's how I'm feeling here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think a lot of listeners do, and I certainly do, and I really appreciate you, man. Your your writing has really come a long way. And Thanks. The singing and, 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 and everything, man. I, I know I've told you, but your, your guitar playing is sounding just great on this tour. So. Thanks. Thanks. 
Keep it up, brother, and thank you so much for joining me today, man. Yeah. I love this song. I love this record. Congrats. Thank you. And I got to play drums on it, which <laughs> makes me... Uh, I, it's a little feather in the cap, because everyone keeps asking, who's playing drums? I'm like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bust that out one of these days. And it won't be the first time. Absolutely. But, uh, Bruza, thanks for joining me, brother. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Man. What's up, Aunt? My man. How up, are Panda? you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for joining me, and uh, congrats on a great record, first of all, man. Thanks, dude. I love Stress Dreams. You guys knocked it out of the park with this one, and as usual, great banjo stuff on the record, man. Just creative and, and, and musical and tight, but very much your own thing yeah and that's like a lot of like our thing it's like we you know created this thing of like being very unbluegrassy, and it's become a lot of our sound and you know i i i like put a lot of work into coming up with parts that are like non a lot non more non-traditional type banjo parts that fit our music that is that is like pretty unbluegrassy. now why do you why do i'm just curious why do you say non-bluegrassy is that because you guys want to be off doing your own thing or your influences kind of draw you into other places or is is that like really by design or more kind of like just what comes i think out? it's it's a little bit of both those things where like you know like i think of like bluegrassy it was straight up just being like you know like that like tell that like this like that banjo roll and because at some point we decided that a long time ago that we were just going to try to not play bluegrass you know i was kind of i was i was kind of forced into figuring out these like non completely non-traditional type banjo roles sure. that fit this like the not straight this typical bluegrass beat you yeah. know and like because we're trying to find you know add all these like pop elements and rock and you know that's just not always like a straight you know yeah bluegrassy kind of thing and you know i really love coming up with stuff that's just like more like a piano almost. Okay. You know, like like for so you know like um, so in um, I think of screams. This is a great example. So like the, yeah. the beginning thing I do is string. It's, it's like a piano part where it's like. See, and that's where the roll comes in. But I love but, where but, the roll comes but the, in. But this there. whole part is like this. You know, Hollis, how it's like, it's very, like, that is, like, not, that's, like, the almost unbanjo thing to, like, be like, that's not banjos don't make that kind of sound to most people, but, like, how, like, that kind of stuff is so cool to it's find so different cool. ways, you know? Yeah, and, and I, it's interesting because 
you know, what makes it banjo or unbanjo? You know, it's hard to it's hard to say. And and ironically, you know, a lot of people are discovering acoustic music and call it bluegrass or something else through you guys and through a lot of these bands that are on the bleeding edge of where all this acoustic music is yeah, going. I love that. So and much. I do too, man. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I really appreciate really appreciate about your playing is it's it's tight and it's musical, but it's really like your own. But the interesting thing is like, I don't know. Sometimes I hear that and what makes it banjo or not banjo, you know, it's a yeah. great use of the instrument. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, probably similar to to you guys for us taking a song and then figuring out what we're going to do with our instruments what the parts are going to be make that's it, like a huge part of yeah. interpreting the music and making it you know a green sky song right and, and i like, assume it's the same for you guys oh yeah totally you know and like you that's what you want to do and like so like this is a good screen is that what i do where i do that little like banjo this kind of like piano thing and then during the jam i definitely rip off this like bail lick that he does in spanish point where he goes Because the Spanish point is it's like, can't even play it. Yeah, the, the intro. It's, it's, it's like that's like the Spanish thing, yeah. the Spanish point thing. I can't remember how it, he does it, but like, I always wanted to put that into something, you know. And it's yeah. like that's like very bluegrassy, but it's also it's Bela, and like I think that that's cool because that 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 kind of riff is like really. Not blue. It's it's like sympathetic and like jazzy and like you yeah. know, and it's got this like like air to it. You know. Hey, question for you. More for the like banjo nerds who are listening here. But so, do you not anchor your right hand on some of that stuff? Are you anchoring like with your palm? I anchor with my palm sometimes. Okay, so this is a, like a trick that I found out that um, because of our effects that we use, if I turn on my phaser and my and my verb and my amp uh-huh. and crank and then palm mute and go. Yep. You get, you get this like cool like it's like, it's almost like a Van Halen sound. It sounds like an electric guitar. Yeah, and for and for those of you who are listening, what what Bont is doing is basically resting his palm on top of the bridge, which really mutes the instrument and like dampens the notes, and it makes it sound like an electric guitar. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm basically like palm muting like you would do on a guitar, but yeah. on a banjo. And it's some I was just like messing around in sound check, and just I keep messing around with it, and hopefully. It'll be great, isn't it? Someday. But. Oh, dude, it sounds it sounds great. It's, I it's, I notice that stuff. It's an effect I like to call the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, the future is now, I guess. The future is now, man. Because I hear that stuff, and um, and also the effects that Bont mentions. You know, we all have effects pedals that modify the sound of our instruments and again a lot of this is by design in the context of our band so like the things that i'm putting on my on my pedal board are designed to you know really outline and bring to work like, string with, dust work with your and work with your in particular instrument too but that's true as well yeah so like what are your go-to what are your go-to effects when you guys are playing a live show uh i'm using just a phase I'm an MX, MS, mxr phase 90 okay. whatever it's like the old school one and uh, i'm gonna have a uh, jl J, it's not JS. It's the the I forget the JL audio. It's not JL audio. It's uh, I can't think of the name of the effect, but uh, the reverb. It's a tank from okay. I think it's JL audio. I think that's yeah. what it's from. And then I just have I have a Brothers Gain stage, 
that goes to an amp and I have a boost for that where I can sweep the parameters. And if I'm getting like a like frequency that's really like feeding back, I can, I can sweep out a frequency. That and the th- amp, what, what, how would you describe what that does for your tone? Like? <sighs> it just makes it loud. Like yeah. it kind of like gives it a little more beef. Like if we're in the middle of like one of those like intense jams and everybody like honors has got his like, his, his overdrive going and somebody else has got something big going. It makes it so I can like get myself in that mix. Okay. And it actually presence, presence or like something in like a, if we're in like a big like psychedelic part to like uh, have, if I do like single string stuff, you turn all that stuff on and like the single string, it's like you're playing an electric guitar. Cool, you know, and cool. It's, and again, it gives it a little more. It, give, it gives it more presence in the mix. Yeah, know? no, I hear that, and the tone is really cool live. So process wise, as far as working on these parts, so Paul Bruza, whoever Duvall for this album comes up with a song, demos are sent around, then you guys get together to work on stuff together. Do you? craft your parts before those sessions go down or do you like to do that more in the room in the moment with the other guys i think i find myself evolving as the as the song unveils itself you know because we'll, we'll go and we'll like to have like the rehearsals we'll go in and like we'll track it and then a lot of times it's like in like the tracking process i'll like figure out like this is what i want to do and a lot of times even if we like just like track like a rhythm track like i'll go back and if i find something else after the fact i'll go back and change my whole thing if i find something cooler you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it kind of, yeah, it's kind of, kind of this, what it, basically like, I feel like my first ideas are usually like the best, yeah. <laughs> the best ones. Yep. The ones that just like, you can just like, okay, this is how I think it should be. And then if you have any stumbles, then maybe you think about reworking something. But I always felt like my, like my bad, like my first thoughts are usually like the best ones. Now, absence know. of reason, really cool line on that, that, the banjo and the and the dobro kind of like it, it like kind of like back and forth sort of like interplay, but tell us where that came from. Is it did uh is this is the one Lyle came up. This with, is right? one that Lyle came in up with. Yeah, I mean if you don't know Lyle Brewer, he's a great friend of ours, and in my opinion, like the, the best freaking guitar player on yeah. the planet. He's so good. Yeah, Lyle's band Neighbor. Neighbor. Make sure to check them yeah. out. Really great band, and yeah, Lyle is a tremendous player, and you can tell from. You know, listening to all the clips that he puts, for example, like on his Instagram account, he's just got this like really, really great sense of melody. melody. Oh, and he's got this. He's got the. He's got that that fire where like where like he is always learning and yeah. always practicing and furthering his knowledge. You know. And, like, so did he come to the session with you guys? He, he, came, he, he came and hung out for like an afternoon. Okay. Um, because he and lived, you guys had this song we, cooking. We were, and... we were cooking, but we couldn't figure out like anything for the intro. Anything for the intro because it was just such like it's like. You know the the chords in that song don't really move a whole lot, and we we're starting to think about something cool because it's like this like really like tough like bluegrass. I call it, we call it like medium fast truck driver tempo. Yeah. Um, but this week, I, like, and I was supposed to come up with something at the beginning, and I just could not. I could not, and then we were like, Lyle, what would you play right here? Yeah. And he's like, Well, I would just play, just play thirds up a scale. Go. cool and like but it's like so simple but it's just it totally fit and like i love the the way it syncopates a six thing syncopates against like the like the track itself yeah. how like everything's and I'm, yeah and i just really it's just really like thank you lyle for coming yeah, up. yeah <laughs> thanks lyle i grabbed my banjo just after the interview wrapped up got bond to come back in and we played the twin harmony banjo part 
for absence of reason, and that sounds like this. Two, three, four. It's it's another great example of like people always ask, you know, where do these melodic musical, the ideas that are on the instruments, where do they come from? And, you know, there's not always a very clear cut answer, but in some way it should always be tied to the song. And for some reason, like, you know, and I love this one and I put a little video of myself playing that harmony, mm-hmm. which we got to get that worked out. We will out. get that. It'll be sick. Um, it really like just delivers you into the feeling, the emotion, the lyrical concept of the song. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know that it just sets the vibe. Yeah, cause, because it's, like, I love cause it's like happy, happy. Kind of, then it has like the, the dark, yeah, yeah. you know, like that. It's like, it's got the, the it, it there's a tension, all the aspects of like the, what that song kind yeah. of is, you know, there's a cool, a cool tension there. And, um, it just like, yeah, sets you off, you know, on the journey of this song in a really, really cool way. Is it an abscess or a lesion? Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I ask myself. Well, good stuff, Bond. Great stuff on the record, man. And it's been awesome hanging with you guys thanks, and man. hearing you guys pick. And yeah, congrats on Stress Dreams and thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, man. Great talking to you, man. Absolutely. Love you, bro. Huge thanks to Green Sky Bluegrass for joining me today to go inside the album and take a much deeper look at Stress Dreams. That was great. Huge thanks, as always, to our sponsors for helping me make the podcast happen. Orvis, your go-to for outdoor gear and a leader in the field of conservation. Artistworks, your go-to for online music learning. Osiris Media and Americana Vibes. If you dig what you're hearing here, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. You cannot believe how much that helps. I'm about to head out on tour with the String Dusters, so excited for that. This episode will drop in the middle of that tour. I've got some incredible guests teed up for the rest of this season. Karina Reichman will be joining me, as well as Corey Wong, Maggie Rose, and a handful of other truly incredible artists. So thank you for listening, and I will catch you right here in two weeks when we go back inside the musician's brain. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.